You're listening to the Lead 'em Up Podcast, powered by Chick-fil-A. Hey, thank you for hanging with us. I am Adam Bradley, Lead 'em Up, alongside Kyle Elmendorf. And today we're jumping into a, a topic that may be a term that is unfamiliar to most, circumstantial motivation. And Kyle, this is one that I've been teaching over the last year pretty extensively uh, during the work that I do with teams, especially locally here in Maryland, the ones that I'm with them all throughout the season. They are familiar with this. I haven't rolled it out uh, within the curriculum, haven't rolled it out nationally, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's an absolute dynamic, game-changing topic. And we're not going to go into it fully or as comprehensively as we do in live training, but I wanted to introduce it because I thought it's extremely valuable for coaches to engage their players in this conversation Mm -hmm. and circumstantial motivation. It is something that athletes all across the country of all levels deal with, but when they deal with it, it is usually a sign that they are an extremely inconsistent team. In fact, it's one of the biggest traits of inconsistent teams is that they are driven by circumstantial motivation And what circumstantial motivation is, it is when we as a team or as individual athletes are more motivated by our external circumstances than our inner drive. I'll say it again. It is when we as a team are more driven and motivated by external circumstances than our inner drive. Kyle, when you hear that circumstantial motivation, first of all, had you heard that phrase prior to the introduction of me bringing it up to you was circumstantial motivation that you heard it put together like that? No, I hadn't. And I love it. And I love how it's kind of positioned and it's really, I think, positioned in a way that can call attention to, again, the motivating factors there, but driven by external rather than internal drive. So it makes me again, think of that everything has to be aligned perfectly for the team to give its best rather than being the one that's going to get the ball rolling or create the momentum for the team itself. So I hadn't heard a position like that, but I love it. And I think it can add a lot of value to coaches and how they prepare their teams. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And and let's coaches, I'll just assess, you know, give you some things to think about as it relates to your team. Does your team experience circumstantial motivation here? Here's some ways to identify. So have you ever experienced a team that, wins against a team that they absolutely shouldn't upsets them, right? We, uh, we beat a team and go on the road and when we beat them, right? That could be a sign of circumstantial motivation. It was a big matchup, big opponent. The team needed more. The circumstances required more. And guess what? The team gave more. The team stepped up in that setting, right? And the circumstances got the most out of them. But then oftentimes those same teams the very next week go and play a team that they should absolutely beat and they don't because the situation didn't require as much perceptionally Mm -hmm. wasn't as big, wasn't as they didn't need to give as uh, more in that setting, in that circumstance. And as a result, they didn't. So in one week they had to give more and they did and they needed more and the team gave more. But then the next week it wasn't as big of a week and they didn't, quote unquote on paper, didn't look like they needed to give as much and they didn't give as much. And all of a sudden, these ebbs and flows of these teams are not being determined by them per se, 
it's being influenced by the circumstances. Right. When the circumstances are more significant, we get more from our team. When they are less, we get less. And up and down we go, circumstantially, our motivation wanes like a seesaw because it is simply dependent on circumstances. Or it's like a team that all of a sudden a player, people start doubting that player, questioning that player, hating on that player, calling out that player. And now all of a sudden their back's against the wall. They have a chip on their shoulder. The circumstances, there's, there's a lot of noise and hate being kind of spewed in the direction of that player. And as a result, that player turns it up. Circumstances yeah. motivating this player to give more. But it's interesting because when they are in the driver's seat and things are just kind of coasting, all of a sudden complacency sets in because yep. the circumstance is a little easier there. And then all of a sudden they begin to slide a little bit. It's circumstantial, right? You look around it all the time. I see coaches constantly trying to figure out ways to energize their players in practice and create little competitions and little games. And I'm not saying those are a bad thing, but when we begin to do those, we are tapping into circumstantial motivation. We're having to create certain circumstances in our practice setting to get more out of our kids. Why it all points back to circumstantial motivation. It is because our players are oftentimes more motivated by external factors and circumstances than inner drive. It's because they can't get themselves to another level consistently, right? They always need a, something to get them going, right. to get them hyped and excited because they can't get themselves there. And when our teams can't get themselves there internally, self-driven, self-motivated, self-disciplined, when they can't get themselves there, we rely then on our circumstances to influence us which then in and will then cause us to forever be inconsistent right? because the, just, circum the circumstances will always be changing. Yeah. It makes me think of that example that you said to where you can rise up and you can, you can beat a favored team where on paper, maybe you don't win that game, but somehow you find that motivation to raise the level of performance. And then the next week you drop one to a team that you shouldn't, lose to it all, but the tank has been kind of emptied in that regard. So it's always that, like you said, it's in flux and it's not coming internally. And I think that's so key for us to identify with as coaches. And then the players seeing that is that if you're always needing something else to get you going, then you're trending in the wrong direction because that's not sustainable. It's not going to last. And ultimately it's going to set you up for failure in the end. Well, you're not going to reach your potential because you're going to, you're going to pull back on too many moments, right? right? There will be too many moments that Saturday morning practice, blah, it's nine o'clock, right? Saturday morning doesn't feel like much. Guess what? That's usually when we have complacent practices. Okay. Oh, but then it's not interesting because the day before big games, we have great practices. Oh yeah. Up and down we go. And it's all over the place. I talk to coaches all the time and there's always this variance and inconsistency in practice, Right. And, and for me, that is a problem, okay? Because when we begin to introduce circumstantial motivation, so as I mentioned, I've been teaching this theme a lot, okay? Circumstantial right. motivation. And 
And, and oftentimes with our teams, the ones I work with, I can like look at their schedule and point to them and be like, guys, look, two weeks ago, here's a great example. In the span of a Tuesday, Friday game sequence, we beat a team on Tuesday, but then fell apart on Friday against a team we should have beat. Mm-hmm. But we beat a team. With t- Why? Because we probably got, we probably got real hyped for that Tuesday game. We had some great practices leading up to that. All right. We showed up, but then we had a lesser opponent that didn't excite us as much. We got a little complacent. Okay. People began to talk about us more than they should. We began to get some attention, probably went to our head a little bit, did not have the sharpest practice Wednesday and Thursday, and then showed up on Friday, not giving our best. Circumstantial, up and down we go, right? Guys, if this is how we're going to live, this is how we're going to play, we're going to continuously be inconsistent, which will lead us into a place where we are not reaching our full potential. So how do you change it? How do you make sure we don't suffer from circumstantial motivation. And this is where I've been having a blast teaching this because we teach it through a concept in a little activity and exercise called the intensity spectrum. The intensity spectrum. Won't go into the whole nuance. I believe we may end up kind of including this or we may keep it reserved for live training. Don't know where we're going to go with this, but I'm just going to say it's powerful. You take this time and, and what I'll give coaches today is and I want to encourage you spend some time with your teams and kind of identify the full spectrum of intensity. And what I mean by that is I love for the players to draw up the game setting that they would be absolutely over the top intense about. What matchup could your players draw up that would get them so hyped? And maybe it's a state championship game against a you know a rival right? And maybe they've been talking trash and maybe they beat us in the regular season. And boy, it is like the perfect storm in a state championship game, right? Maybe that would be the game you could draw up. That would be just, we all would agree. If that was our game, we're probably not sleeping the night before. We're so (laughs) hyped and fired up. Okay. And then I want you to create a scale all the way down to the practice condition that would probably generate the most, the least intense practice environment. So when I say all the way down, I'm saying maybe, maybe give yourself like eight, eight different situations, state championship game against our rival, bam, maybe the next one below that would be uh, a home game against such and such with the fans having a blackout in the stands. Everyone's all dressed in black to go to the States. Right. And then maybe it's, it's a, to clinch like, the, the region, right? Yeah, and then maybe conference it's championship. conference championship. And then maybe it's your top regular season matchup on the road, right? And then maybe it's a matchup against an opponent that's, eh, you know, yeah, they're a little bit of bad blood, but not over the top. And then maybe it's just like a neutral regular season opponent, right? One that eh, kind of generates eh, emotion. And then one that like doesn't really generate much emotion. We should probably get this win, little bit blah on the schedule. You know what I'm talking about, and right? Just show up and get it over with. Yeah, it's one of those games. And then maybe there's a scrimmage preseason, right? And then maybe it's an intense practice before a big game. And then you work your way down to this low level of intensity of a um, Saturday morning practice. Yeah. Right. Something like that. Okay. So trying to create this spectrum of intensity here. And what we're trying to illustrate to the players is that we have it in us to show up on the entire spectrum. It is within us to be hyped all in against a game like that. But we also have it in us 
to have a really lethargic, lifeless practice on a Saturday morning. Wow. We have it in us to mm-hmm. be all of this. If we agree that we all have it in us to be all of this, they are agreeing that they suffer from circumstantial motivation. They're acknowledging that the circumstances changes their intensity. It dictates their performance. It dictates how much they give, mm-hmm. how much they commit, how much they're willing to be intense. Now, there's always a variance. I'll never pretend that practice will ever match the intensity of like that state championship game. But here's where we want to go with it. We want to identify. We want to identify who they are on the scale. And who they are is their practice DNA. And the reason we say their practice DNA is truly who they are is because when we think about practice, you spend more time practicing than playing. Okay. So from a majority standpoint, we are in that, we are living practice out more than playing. Okay. So that's one reason I always say you are more along the lines of who you practice as, not who you play as. Okay. 100% easily. It's our DNA. Okay. Not to mention, you often hear the phrase, you know, games are just a reflection of practice. Okay, so I want to know who we are. What is our DNA? Our DNA is who we practice regularly, average, not our best practices, not our worst practices. What is our general average practice intensity graded on a scale of A to E grade school style? We practice A level, B level, C level, D level, E level, C minus, B plus. Where are we? Average. And I'm going to tell you, most teams, most teams are a B to a D plus. Yep. I, I can see that. I don't want to say none of the teams I've, 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 we've done this with, right? I, don't, I haven't heard one team ever say they're an A, right? I feel like coaches aren't willing to give themselves an A, right? Generally, you know, B's the highest, D, you know, they're usually not like, failing. It's usually somewhere in the, you know, B to D plus C minus that area. Okay. Well, let's say you're a C. Okay. Well, if you're a C, all right, that's average. If you look at the scale there, right. All the way down on Saturday morning practice and state championship. If you were to put that little spectrum there on a zero to 10 scale, zero being the practice in the AM 10 being the practice on the, or the, the state championship game. If you're a C boom, you were right in the middle. What number, Kyle? Hey, that's a five, five and a half. Five. We'll say C is five. It's a five. Okay. Who are you from an intensity perspective? You're a five. Tell the teams, what are we? We're a five. Oh, but listen, listen to Kyle. What do players all think that they can do game time? Show up and turn it up. Like they're going to show up when the lights are bright and then they're going to be on like game time on time. Right. I'm money when the lights are on. So players don't think five's a big deal. They don't think five's a big deal. I'm going to turn it up coach. You know me, I'm going to turn it up. So practice coach. You're just talking about practice. When the games matter, I'm going to be there. So they think all the time they say, coach, I'm just going to turn it up, man. It's games. How are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Coach. I'm ready. Okay. Coaches. Here's, here's the deal. When your players say they can turn it up, I want you to tell them, yes, you can. I know you can. But here's where I want you to put it. I want you to remind them, coaches, based on our experience, based on all of our work studies, the time we spent with coaches, evaluating this closely for seven plus years, 
we've determined you can only turn it up three levels. Makes sense, right? Like we can't just be, become a completely different person game day. Right, like, yeah, we turned it. 180 completely different team. No, 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 no. You can turn it up. Well, we can't just be, we're not transformed. We can't transform ourselves. We're not the transformers video, you know, the, the cartoon. You can turn it up three levels. This has been such an eye-opening conversation with our players. When we acknowledge you can turn it up, but you can only turn it up three levels. We call it the three-level jump. Here's the deal. If we live as a five, if our DNA is a five, that's who we are. If we're a five on the intensity spectrum, well, guess what? When we play a six, oh, yeah, 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 we can beat them. No big deal. Because remember, you can jump three levels. Right. Right? Six, no big deal. We go against a six. We'll crush them. We'll probably beat them by 22. Okay. We'll beat a six, wherever, whatever game environment, setting, intensity level, do we have to be at, to beat a six? We'll beat them by 22 without a doubt. Oh, but then we'll play a seven. Okay. Okay. A little tougher, right? Because we're a five. Now we're playing a seven, but it's still within the three level jump. Yeah. We'll beat that. We'll beat that seven. We'll beat them by, um, you know what? I'm going to say nine. We'll beat them by nine. Nine, okay. 10, 11, something like that. Okay, we got that. Now we got to play an eight. Now we got to play an eight. Three level jump fives. <laughs> oh, we're at, our, we're at our cap. We're at our cap. And it's not a given that you're going to make that three level jump. Just because you can doesn't mean you will. That's yeah, a that, big ask. Yeah, that, that, that game against the eight, that setting, that intensity, that environment, that matchup, it's probably going to go either way. Mm-hmm. I can see, I can see it, it's, it's a toss up. I think we could get the win, but everything needs to kind of fall together perfectly. Yeah, it's got to bounce right for us that night. Because we're, we, listen, we're five. Our regular DNA of preparation, intensity, focus, it's a five. So it's a toss up. Hey, this is Ashley from Chick-fil-A. And this is today's leadership nugget. Looking to grow and develop in your own leadership abilities? I think emotional intelligence is the number one characteristic a 21st century leader must embody. Two key traits of emotional intelligence are self-awareness and empathy. For us to have a positive impact and inspire motivation in our team members, this requires that we are able to discern what's happening internally with ourselves along with the people around us. To lead a team to a more effective workplace, we must know each other's styles and preferences to work as a team to find common ground in all we do. Leaders who embody high emotional intelligence can, one, communicate their vision more effectively, two, improve their persuasion and inspirational speaking abilities, and three, ensure appropriate responses to stressful and sometimes confusing situations at work. Regardless of the many theories out there about what makes a good leader, it doesn't happen overnight. Remember, leadership is a journey. If you're looking to be a better, more effective leader, or if you're working on personal growth, discerning your emotional intelligence is a great place to start. Now, Let's jump back into the episode. But here's what, here's, here's what you need to tell the players. When, when we have to play that nine, 
Yeah, I'm just going to tell you all right now, don't, let's not be upset about it, but we're going to lose by seven. We're going to lose by seven. Oh, and then if we step into an environment where we've got to be a 10 because the lights are real bright, the matchup is real intense, the setting is real pressure-packed, you've got to be sharp, right? Every possession counts. Every, every, you know, everything counts, matters, amplified. Magnified. Magnified. Yeah, guess what? You play that 10 because you're only a five. <laughs> you lose by 19. Mm-hmm. Let's say 20. You lose by 19, 20. I literally, Kyle, as we've been doing this intensity spectrum, wherever we are, and I do a little kind of assessment of that, and we kind of walk them through, and we've got a little template. Okay, if you're interested in this template, email it to us. You know, I'd love to kind of hand it to you. You know, you can email info at lead them up, or you can reach out directly to Kyle or myself. We've got a little template, which is really cool. It kind of shows where we are currently falling in the intensity spectrum as a team. And we had this whole way that we kind of determine where we are. So it's not a bias. It's, it's a team. All of us collectively have agreed to it, essentially. And it kind of lays out where we are. And then I literally predict, and it puts it on the spectrum, okay, on this little template that we have. Yeah. It shows them where we're ending our season. <laughs> and I give it to them. We print it out and I give it to them and we hand it. And, and, and I'm like, I know this probably feels really weird that I'm handing you a document telling you when where, gonna where we're going to lose this season. Mm-hmm. I know that feels so weird, but I just need you to understand if we continue the way we're going and we don't make any changes to how we show up each and every day, that will be the outcome. And there has to be some realness taking place in our conversations right now. Yeah. And I care about you all so much that I'm going to address this with you in this manner. And I'm going to hand you a sheet of paper that tells you your season's going to end February 22nd. In the second round, that is when you're going home. You're playing a nine. Yep. Because otherwise you're hoping for a miracle. And they're like, what do you mean a miracle? Yeah, because guess what? When teams do miraculously jump more than three, it's where you either hear the terms in sports, they shocked the world. They stunned. It was a stunning upset. There's a disbelief because, oh my gosh, how did they move? How did, I can't believe they jumped more than three levels. Yeah. Now we don't ever articulate it this way or verbalize it with this language, but that's what they're essentially saying. Oh my gosh, they jumped more than three levels. How did they do it? This is shocking. It nobody expected it. Yeah, you're hoping to jump more than three levels while also at the same time hoping the opponent falls three levels, leaving so much to chance in that regard. So much to chance. Now, I also print off the secondary template. Okay. And it's all shaded, so it looks really cool, kind of shows where we are. Our, our potential and all of that. But then I print a second one. And after we discuss that one, I print out this one. Because the way you fix this and the way you overcome circumstantial motivation is you up and increase your baseline. We have to increase the baseline of who we are, the standard of who we are. So we're a five, right? We need to get to the place where our daily intensity, the way we show up, the level of execution, precision, focus, aggressiveness, and all of that, how we show up day in and day out, has to live at a higher level, has to live at that seven, has to get to that levels of eight, okay? So then when we enter into a situation where we've got to be at a 10, right? It's not that big of a jump. Yes, we'll turn it up ever so slightly, but we can look around and say, we are prepared for this. We are made for this. 
We are built for this. This is who we are. Mm -hmm. This is just another day for us, right? Versus, wow, we've got to become somebody completely different. Yeah, we're going to have to magical transformation overnight. Our athletes, our teams, our players need to understand the tenets of circumstantial motivation. They need to understand its role and negative effect on us as teams, how it generates inconsistencies because up and down we go. We need to connect it back to moments where we've experienced circumstantial motivation, where we had big practices before big games, followed by poor practices in front of, you know, let down performances, all these ebbs and flows because we weren't able to manage our own self. Like our players need to hear that. Okay. Circumstantial motivation. You're going to hear more and more about this through lead them up ongoing. Okay. There's some additional things that we do as we talk about kind of gauging and grading that scale of where we are and how to assess it ongoing during the course of a season, the frameworks, the templates, right? So you can then provide your players with a little printable framework and such, because man, like I said, it's been one of the ones that I've been teaching for the last year. And it's, man, it's eye-opening. Coach is constantly just saying, oh man, man, our guys needed to hear this. Man, our girls needed to hear this because we have not been as consistent as we need to. There is too much variance and it is going to hurt us and come back to bite us. Okay. Right. Big time. And Kyle, I mean, last thing, you know, you also think about those special teams with special players, man, they dominate the teams they're supposed to dominate. Mm -hmm. Right. They don't care. They show up and they just are so driven and they just want it. It almost doesn't matter who's in front of them. It doesn't matter the day they're a dog. They get after it regardless of the circumstances because internally they are charged up. They can manage themselves. And those are the athletes and teams that are separating themselves. That's where that's the example of when you're talking about playing to a standard rather than the scoreboard where it doesn't matter who you're playing, you're playing to a standard. And that's what we're all aiming for is we want to be at our highest level on a consistent basis where it doesn't matter what the external motivation is. We're playing to this standard. Absolutely. Well, listen, stay in touch and and stay tuned for more on this. Kyle, appreciate you. As always, I am Adam. He is Kyle alongside each other. We are the lead them up team. Have fun. 